0: Well, after taking an Easter break, there have been two weeks since our last episode of News on the Fly, and what a fortnight it's been. We've had the shock departure of After CEO Darren Rudd, a two-way Tasman travel bubble announced, a rollercoaster of vaccine disappointments, details of that all-important second tranche of the Travel Agent Grant program, and fears that international travel may be even further away. This week's episode is going to be a wild ride, so buckle up.
1: From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper.
0: And I'm Anna Piper. And this is News on the Fly. At the start of the month, we were all looking forward to a break from the madness, with the Easter long weekend beckoning and providing a welcome respite to the inevitable but nevertheless deeply disappointing end of JobKeeper. But then, like a bolt from the blue, on the afternoon of the 1st of April, AFTER made the shock announcement that its CEO, Darren Rudd, was departing effective immediately after being in the role for just over nine months. Do you have any insight into what was behind his resignation, Bruce?
1: Yeah, look, as with any situation like this, there's heaps of speculation, and I've certainly heard a number of stories, um, rumours, you know, innuendo. Afters played it with a very straight bat. Um, there's been really no explanation except to say that it was for personal reasons. And of course, you know, that could mean all sorts of things. And, um, you know, we've got to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. It is tempting to indulge in salacious gossip, but I think this will be one of those situations where further details are very unlikely to be forthcoming, at least, you know, in an official channel. You know, I really wish it was a bit like the cabinet papers where everything gets locked up and released in 20 years time, because I'm sure there is a good story behind it. But in the the end, it is what it is, and after's definitely firmly drawing a line under the Rudd tenure.
0: Ah, well that's no fun, but I suppose we have to respect everyone's privacy and move on. So where does this leave after?
1: Clearly in disarray, I'd have to say. I mean, you know, the timing really cannot be worse. Um, as you mentioned, it's come just when JobKeeper ends putting the industry deeper in despair, you know, no clear timeline about any resumption of long-haul international travel, disarray with uh, vaccine rollouts and all that sort of thing. On top of that, the highly anticipated second round of the travel agent grants program still hanging in limbo, applications haven't opened. And then to make it even worse for AFTER itself, the Federation's financial year runs from April to March. And so after deciding not to take any uh, membership Payments last year. They need the money. They will be sending invoices right now, and surely the abrupt departure of the CEO, and not to mention the situation that we all find ourselves in, is going to make people think twice about renewing their membership. Also, I think you know because they've had such a massive focus on the lobbying efforts over the last nine months, and rightly so, there's just been very little communication about the other value that, AFTA previously added, you know, the ATAS scheme, accreditation, branding, ASIS. And we just don't know what is even happening with those programs, or indeed, uh, how many staff are actually left at AFTA.
0: So who's running things at AFTA now? Are they looking for a new CEO?
1: Well, the immediate reaction was to effectively make Tom Mannering, CEO of Express Travel Group and Chairman of the AFTA board, to become the interim executive chair. And I presume that he's hoping to steady the ship. But of course, like all the other board members, he's also madly trying to manage his own business through the massive disruption of COVID-19. And look, he is an absolute Superman, but the strain has to be pretty incredible. I think the industry really owes Tom a massive debt of gratitude for everything he's done and continues to do. In terms of a new CEO, yes, I'm sure that's right at the top of the agenda, Um, but having lost two leaders in the last 12 months, I'm pretty sure AFTA will be careful about the next appointment. I think Darren did teach the board and indeed, you know, the rest of the industry a whole lot about political lobbying. And so maybe a new CEO could be someone who's able to focus more on the organisation and rebuilding it, because AFTA's certainly shrunk as far as its ability to serve its members goes, I'm just speculating, but since Darren was appointed through an executive recruiter, I wouldn't be surprised if they're already on the lookout. Often recruiters have to give a 12-month guarantee, and so his early departure uh, could see the feelers out already. Um, You'd also have to say that after the massive disruption of the last 12 months and widespread job losses, there's definitely no shortage of suitable candidates if they're looking for someone with industry experience.
0: yes, I'm sure if they actually advertise, they'll be bowled over with applications if my LinkedIn feed is any indication. While the travel industry is deeply disappointed at the end of JobKeeper, a bright note was sounded by Tourism Minister Dan Tehan when he announced the wider $1.2 billion tourism and aviation support program, confirming that there would be a second round of the COVID-19 consumer travel support program. Another $130 million in funding will be available, and just last Sunday, TN provided a little more detail on the new money. So when will the industry be able to apply?
1: Yeah, look, this has been highly anticipated, and of course, everyone's just on the edge of their seats to figure out if they are able to sustain their businesses. So there's a lot of disappointment around that, although there's a lot more detail, we still don't have a date that applications will open, apart from it being hopefully sometime before the end of this month. It's also pretty ironic in terms of timing, because there's a number of conditions in at least the guidance document, including that applicants for the extra money need to make their best endeavours to retain staff. Look, if, if it had been released a month ago while well, we still had JobKeeper, that would have been helpful, but in the meantime, JobKeeper's ended, and so heaps of employers have already had to make the tough decision to let people go.
0: So what's the procedure for the second round? Is it the same as for the highly controversial and heavily criticised First Grants Program?
1: Unfortunately, that is what it looks like. I don't really understand why the government seems to be so beholden to its bureaucracy. Apparently, the ATO doesn't talk to Austrade, and that creates lots of complications. You know, part of it's about privacy, so I get that. But it all seems a little schoolyard to me, and, you know, couldn't the government... It's in charge, can't it just tell them what to do? Anyway, of course, with any program like this, you need a system built for applications and auditing and to make sure that there is probity, and at least those who have navigated the first round will have already done the required registration with those platforms like the Services Australia Business Hub, Austrade, the PRODA identification platform and all that. And yes, as you said, it's still controversial. They're trying to balance up the two grants programs so that those who received more than the originally intended amounts in the first round, because they rightly or wrongly reported TTV rather than business income in that mysterious G1 box, they won't get a second bite at the cherry. To me, I'm really not sure how that's actually going to pan out. If someone complied fully with the requirements the first time around, and the grants program is still based on that all-important G1 figure on the business activity statements, I really don't see how they can change that the second time.
0: And do we know why the applications can't open right now? I mean, businesses need some certainty so they can plan for the future, however bleak, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And no, we don't really know why. I have heard that um, because of all the controversy around the first round, there are heaps of appeals and also a bit of a flood of last-minute applications. So they presumably are wanting to resolve all that before opening the next round, uh, because also that will let them see how much money was actually left over from the first round and uh, perhaps introduce more equity going forward. But anyway, yes, they're trying to simplify the process and also hopefully pave the way for future funding. So if you qualify this time, then you'll have an easier application process next time, assuming that we do get um, you know, another quarter's worth of funding in, in the federal budget. But yes, look, my phone hasn't stopped ringing since we released the details on the weekend because it is pretty unclear. Also, of course, you know, you've got this situation where the government is concerned not to be propping up businesses that are planning to close anyway. In the end, governments are all about jobs, keeping people employed, and also the actual rationale listed in the document is to keep agents around so they continue servicing client refunds, or at least that's how it's being sold politically. The other thing is, um, you know, that there are lots of complications. Uh, They're not really providing additional assistance for the larger agencies, so the smaller ones will be very happy with the second round. Um, But the bigger agencies, tour operators, wholesalers, who after all are likely to employ bigger numbers, they're not happy because they're sort of capped at their payment, let alone the multi-agent groups, which operate a whole lot of agencies under a single ABN. For example, if you've got a network of 30 travel agencies that you're trying to keep afloat, even getting the maximum $100,000 grant hardly goes anywhere.
0: Hmm. Well, I suppose like everything with this pernickety pandemic, we just have to knuckle down and learn some patience. What a toboggle. Do you have something to say? News on the Fly has started a hotline where you can share your point of view. And it may be featured on the podcast. Send us a short voice memo via WhatsApp at plus 612 to have your say. And keep listening to news on the fly to see if your voice is featured. Check the show notes for a link to that hotline and we hope to hear from you soon. everything else that's been going on in the industry, the announcement that New Zealand would finally begin accepting quarantine-free travellers from Australia came none too soon, with New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern at last revealing protocols for a resumption of trans-Tasman travel. Effective from next Monday, the 19th of April, the restrictions are being lifted and that's led to a huge surge of airline capacity. Bruce, what's been the wider industry reaction to this?
1: Yeah, well, naturally, there's a sense of relief, but that's probably expressed more as it's about blimmin' time. It is good to finally see some sense coming to these leaders who've been so much about blocking the entry. Ardern's part of this very cautious club, um, you know, also including um, you know, Palaszczuk, McGowan, you know, all the various state jurisdictions that have been very cautious on borders. Anyway, it has been a great thing to see that at least the possibility of a wider opening of travel, even though it is not particularly significant for much of the industry. Um, for sure, the initial flights are going to be packed, but they're going to be full of people visiting friends and family after 12 months of separation, and they're not going to be booking tours or activities or even accommodation, because they're going to stay with their relatives. So it doesn't really help anyone except the airlines. Not that that's a bad thing, but I feel like the government hopes this will be an answer, and it's pretty important not to let the government off the hook in terms of you know, continuing to support the industry. And I reckon that's what's been behind a few comments by after chairman Tom Mannering, who was reported in the weekend papers, you know, a little controversially, suggesting that the bubble should be delayed even until there's a bit more certainty about vaccinations. And that's because if the borders go, go up again, it's going to have an even worse impact on consumer confidence, just like we saw at Christmas time with those snap lockdowns of Queensland and Victoria.
0: Huh. Yes, I guess the worst thing would be for people to book again and then have to cancel. That would make travel agents and operators managing refunds busier than a one-legged river dancer, and we sure don't want that. So what about crews? Has there been any progress on the bubble expanding to include travel by sea?
1: Unfortunately not, and that's just so typical of the idiocy and conservative approach that we're being faced with. Clearly, if, you know... You've got protocols that allow thousands of people to fly back and forth across the Tasman every week. There's absolutely no reason you couldn't have the same thing happening on the ocean. But logic just doesn't seem to be part of the vocabulary of these politicians. CLIA and the cruise associations in Australia and New Zealand are of course pushing hard I'm sure many of our listeners will have seen clear md joel katz very active on tv in recent weeks i'm not sure that he braved a current affair yet but um, he's definitely getting the message out there but of course it is a difficult message to get through because there's all this noise about vaccine rollouts changing the sensational reporting of an even longer delay before the wider resumption of international travel i just hope the governments are listening to the cruise message because You know, amid all of these other ructions, allowing the return of cruising would of course be a major benefit for us all, not to mention the wider cruise industry supply chain of providors, port operators, transport services, destinations and all that.
0: That is for sure. I for one cannot wait until I'm sipping a cocktail, enjoying a a 3am buffet while dancing next to the onboard pool. There is nothing quite like cruising. Well, that's all we have time for, podcasters. As always, thank you for listening. If you'd like to support News on the Fly, you can do that by subscribing or following the podcast wherever you listen and sharing it with your friends. To stay up to date throughout the week, be sure to read Traveler Daily and Cruise Weekly and we will be back next week to wrap it all up with more news on the fly.